Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. Fragments Silicon, helping you compartmentalize your fear of the future since, um, a while ago. You really need to watch less RNC coverage. <laughs> Topical. Anyway, so welcome to another Tuesday edition of Fragments of Silicon, which, of course, means we have another guest from Europe. Um, this time around, we are welcoming the French developer, The Game Bakers, and uh, we have co-founder uh, Audrey Leprince with us. Hi there. Hi. Though... So, you're actually in Sweden, as I understand it, correct? Well, usually I'm in Sweden, but uh, since the summer is night, I am in France at the moment. So, oh, okay. Because, yeah. you know, I read your bio on the site and that you you uh, amble about uh, every few years. Anyway. Absolutely. We, everybody at the game, because it's a little bit around the world. Yeah. Yeah, in fact, um, like the tagline for uh, the Game Bakers is uh, like a developer in the clouds. Yeah, yeah, that's just this idea that we didn't want to have like a, you know, a regular studio where everybody would have to come to work in in one city and everybody could just follow their plans for wherever their lives would take them. And also, this helped us like working with um, developers from around the world, like Takashi Okazaki from Japan or. Uh, programmers in Canada, so we have people really uh, everywhere. Mm. Ah. <laughs> and it's important to make that designation because the cloud means other things these days. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, um, so we'd like to start out by getting to know our guests, and the first question we usually ask, are you interested in video games in the first place? Wow. That's a... Um yeah, it's been a while since I played video games. I mean, I started as a kid like everybody else, and I just uh, love to write, to play any kind of games, video games, board games, um, role-playing games, live role-playing games. And um, I love to, to create those. And uh, at that time, there was no video game schools. There were no uh, dedicated training, at least in France, for video games. So um, yeah, I just uh, um, I just managed to start with the uh, Quantic Dream, and uh, only on the fact that I knew how to write uh, interactive stories for uh, for uh, the live role-playing games, which which uh, is funny because it's a little bit similar to what we do today on big RPGs and games like that. And uh, when did you join Quantic Dream? 
Oh, I was working on uh, Nomad Style with uh, David Bowie. I actually shook hands with David Bowie in Paris. I was very lucky. Um, so it was like, I don't know, 90... Yeah, that'd be yeah, about... 90-something. That'd be about 99, I think. Like, I, something I, like that, yeah. I definitely remember Omicron. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the one, yeah. yeah. It's like... Uh, it's a very unique game. I, I wouldn't exactly call it playable uh, by today's standards, but it's <laughs> at, at least worth experiencing. Now, yeah, I, I think it, it, it was, yes. I think it was... Um, Probably a bit early for its time too, yes. Yeah. And what did you do on uh, Omicron? Oh, it was a very small team, you know, uh, Celtic Dream at that time. There was like maybe 15 people, I don't know. So uh, I was a game designer. I was working with uh, David Cage and uh, I was working with him on lots of things like the cameras, the economics, uh, the, the story, everything. Mm. And I gotta ask, what is David Cage like? Well, I, I don't know what he's like now, but uh, because I haven't worked with him in uh, such a long time, but uh, uh, he was uh, he was awesome. He's a very uh, inspired person, and he's a very strong uh, leader. I think he has this clear idea about what he wants to achieve, and he's done it. And uh, I think uh, we might on might not like his gains, but at least I say thumbs up for uh, managing to do what he has in mind year after year and what he with it. Well, that's definitely true. I mean, he's, for better or for worse, one of the few auteurs working in, like, the AAA uh, game space these days. So, you know. Yeah. You know, uh, his games are certainly controversial for a lot of reasons, but, you know, no, I don't think anyone can medium. Uh, anyway, so uh, how long did you end up working for uh, Quantic Dream? Well, I'm going to have to open my list to remember, but I, I don't, uh, well, I, I said for a few years, uh, then I moved on to another French company um, because I had two passion video games and China, and I really wanted to go and work in China, so I was just uh, trying to go to China, and this company was uh, telling me they would open in China. And then I moved to Ubisoft China uh, in Shanghai for six years, and I came back and I started um, Game with Emrick uh, Toa, my work partner. Yeah. Mm. And uh, where, did you meet, uh, where did you meet him, and how did you meet him, and how did the whole like, Game Bakers thing start? Well, I, I met him uh, at Ubisoft, right? I was the producer of a Tom Clancy game, Tom Clancy and War, the RTS, the voice-controlled RTS at the oh, yeah, time. I remember that. Yeah, it was all made in, in Shanghai, and uh, he was working for the head office for the editorial department that like oversees the quality of all the games in Ubisoft. And he, come, he came over from Mission to help us uh, ship the game, and then uh, we worked together there, and... Uh, we we both knew we wanted to start our own uh, path after that, so uh, that was a good time for us to start uh, after we finished Enwar and he finished his own project on, on his side, so, yeah. Now, is your business partner also based in France these days? Yeah, he's uh, based in France, he's, uh, and he doesn't move. He loves uh, the city of Montpellier, and uh, we have a small office there, like with about four of us who work there. Um, mm -hmm. So it's not completely 
true that we are all around the world. We still have a, a small office that we share with the Eric Chahi and the guys from Swing Swing Submarine. We are all in, in the same location. Ah, neat. Uh, anyway, so where did the name The Game Bakers come from? Well, uh, we we really we really love food, and um, we really think that we are trying to make our games with a lot of attention and a lot of uh, passion and uh, a little bit of um, that extravaganza that you find sometimes in some recipes, right? So we uh, we decided to go for a name that was really related to food, and we're not uh, we're not as you can tell we're not really the best English speakers. So we kind of thought that game bakers, game you know like the bakers, like the bakery, like making bread and making food was a was a good uh, a good name for us. It fits well enough, and I'm like it's it's not like it's grammatically incorrect or it's a flat out word salad or anything like that. No, I, I, I think it works. Cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so uh, the first game developed by Game Bay is, well, the first entry in what, what is the Squids franchise, I suppose. Um, yeah. So for those who don't know what this is, can you give us the rundown? Well, Squids is really... Um um, an adventure, an action adventure game where you just uh, play a team of little uh, octopuses um, characters mm-hmm. fighting against a, a terrible threat that is about to uh, destroy their underwater kingdom. And it's really a tactical RPG, um, turn based, very um, simple mechanics where you fling your squids, a bit uh, angry kind, uh, angry bird kind of mechanics where you fling. Uh, your squid to attack by stretching his tentacles, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, and there's like two two games um, in the series, and and it's uh, yeah, it's really an epic adventure with lots of uh, tactical RPG elements in it. Yeah, I, I remember seeing a lot of coverage for uh, the Squid's Odyssey game for the Nintendo Wii U and 3DS a couple years ago. Uh, uh, and yeah, it's like it's certainly one of the more unique uh, projects I've seen in that ecosystem. Uh, but uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, uh, did they do well on the mobile and Nintendo spaces? Yeah, they, they did really well on mobile. They started in, we started in 2011 with the first Squid. So uh, it, it was a different time by then, I think. Um, so the first Squid did really well. Um, I think we had a five-star reviews from players for a very long time. We possibly still have a five-star rating uh, today. For both games, we got great Metacritics, with the second one being one of the 10 best games of 2012. And we also were featured you know, by Apple as the game of the week and things like that. So uh, it went really well. And on Wii U and 3DS, we took us a bit of time to take the game there. And, and of course, we added extra content and we polished the game. We created a whole new chapter, new characters, everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, but still, I think we were a bit too, a bit late for uh, 3DS, 
uh, especially without having a physical release. We were only on the digital stores, on the e-shop. So it was a bit hard to uh, find uh, our market. And, and on Wii U, uh, the council didn't have the install base that everybody was hoping for. And it was also, uh, I think, quite hard to, to perform on, on the digital store only. Uh, I, I, I couldn't say exactly. I mean, I know people who've done well on the eShop, and yeah, people who have done less successfully there. No. Uh, no. Like, but uh, was it? Uh, it's true that the Wii U doesn't have the install base that everybody hoped for, including Nintendo. Right. But on the other hand, you know, you, you do have games like Shovel Knight and. Uh, all the uh, uh, games like uh, Xenonauts that did well there, Nozy. So, you know, but yeah, it is harder to perhaps numbers uh, than, say, on the PlayStation Store, the Xbox Store. Um, but all that aside, what was it like working with the uh, 3DS and the Wii U as, you know, a development platform? Well, yeah, it was a. Uh, it, it wasn't. Uh, I think the biggest challenge is uh, working with Nintendo platforms, and you also have that with other uh, platform holders. Is the level of secrecy that surround the development. So when you're developing for mobile, you just have to Google something, and you're going to find a thread with lots of answers. When you develop for Nintendo or Sony. Or, you just uh, you just have to stay within the, you know the NDA and within the four dedicated forums, so it's much harder to find information. Mm. But apart from that, the, the I mean the 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 development is not a challenge, and the Nintendo teams were very helpful and were very um, helpful with indies, providing kits and putting the game forward on the shop. So we're very happy with our collaboration with Nintendo. That's good. Uh, did they uh, do any promotion for the game? Well, they they did actually. We, we released the, uh, I think we released the Squid Odyssey at the same time with the the latest Mario, and we were on the on the sh- on the front of the shop at the same time with the Mario. So it was uh, was good, yeah, good uh, spot. <laughs> Indeed, um, you know, it's like. I'm not sure how it was like a couple of years ago, but you know, uh, we we talked to uh, like you know eShop developers every now and again. And they say uh, like Nintendo and all the platform holders tend to promote things that um, make use of uh, that particular ecosystem. And I figure like Squid's Odyssey would probably be up be up Nintendo's alley because I remember it, uh, the game's making use of the touchscreen functionality pretty uh, a lot. And the gamepad. Yeah, they they did like the game and and they promoted it too. And they don't really have an answer on why the game didn't perform as well as we all expected. Even though it's still gonna recoup its its budget, it's just not a massive success. So, but some of the answers for me are one that it's coming from mobile and coming from mobile to a to a console or handheld platform, you always get that impression that you're gonna be a less of a quality game, even though we tried to fight that perception by really improving the games, adding content. We really had an offer that was on par with everything else on that platform. But still, that perception, I think, was uh, was still there. 
And also, I think Squid, or Squid Game series was probably a little bit um, not perfectly positioned. It could appear like a child's game or kid's game. And uh, a lot of the kid's games are being um, still bought by their parents, so prob not always on the eShop, even though I think this is changing uh, more and more now. Well, I, I really don't have any other explanation. <laughs> well, it does, look, it does look pretty cute and fun, so... Yeah. I'm like, uh, yeah, if you haven't given it a try yet, you really should. But it's a really... It's a surprisingly deep game. Uh, in, you know... And uh, really does make use of the touchscreen mechanics. Because, you know... And it's a lot more tactical than it first looks because you might think it's like an action game band all around, but it's not quite that. Uh, uh, no, anyway. Uh, Do you have a version of the game that you think is the best version, or like uh, yeah, we, platform we, you we think really, it's best? We really love it uh, on the Wii U <laughs> because of the huge. I mean, if you have a big TV screen, you're going to have the beautiful graphic that this game is all about in full screen, and also uh, the, the Wii U version, the Squid Odyssey, is Squid 1 plus Squid 2 plus some extra content plus all the improvement and the fixed mistakes we've made on the previous development. So, uh, and you know, you have uh, we, we redesigned completely Squid 1 with everything we learned from Squid 2, so it's really the, the best package. But we still love them also on mobile, so really, they're mm. there. And then the 3DS version is similar, just less graphics because 3DS. Yeah, the 3DS version is, is, is very, it's just like the Wii U version, so it's got all that extra content in addition. It's just uh, the 3D effect is cool, and I really like it. But uh, yeah, now I don't know. I, I like the big screens, and I like to see the visual of the, the game on the big TV. I think they're all uh, they're all really up good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so aside from the Squid series, uh, a, your other previous game is a thing called Combo Crew, which is a um, brawling game for mobile devices. Yeah, absolutely. The, we released the Combo Crew. I think it was in 2013 or 14, and um, we, uh, yeah, we are. Uh, we again we design our games when when we design our game we think about the controls and uh, mm -hmm. we really had this idea about the way to make a bit them up on, on mobile that didn't involve a virtual d-pad you know that was like so many uh, beat them up tried with the virtual d-pad and, and uh, we thought failed so uh, we had this idea of making something really uh, uh, smooth and intuitive and at the same time uh, you know, give you that that feeling of control, and uh, so uh, that's what we did with Combo Crew, and it uh, it worked quite well too. Uh, I think uh, we also had great uh, response from the players and and from the press, and uh, it was uh, it was nicely also featured by Apple. So lots of people got to play this game, especially we we were like, okay, now we're making Combo Crew, we're making a, a, a brawler on mobile. What could we do? that everybody would love to do on a brawler on mobile and then we thought oh we have to bring back like uh, you know the characters from Capcom in there so we contacted Capcom and then we had the four Street Fighter characters in the game and also um, Beautiful Joe 
Mm. And uh, Eric Shai, uh, who's our friend and uh, is in the studio with us, he gave us uh, Lester Knight from uh, Another World also was in the game. So that was uh, that was uh, extra an extra fun part for the game, I thought. Mm. Neat. Uh, well, so exactly what did you do to the controls to make it work with the mobile? Oh, I, did you, I think you have to try it to uh, realize. It. Basically, you don't have to use a virtual D-pad. You just uh, slash and tap, uh, swipe and uh, sorry, swipe and tap with your finger. Ah, so, yeah, so yeah. I get where you're going with this. It's like a say Infinity Blade, or yeah, a little bit, yeah, or a yeah. Super Brothers. I uh, haven't tried the Super Brothers in a while, but yeah. Infinity Blade is a good reference, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and we had very reactive controls, and uh, yeah, it worked uh, worked really well. We used them again in a game, another game we've done just after for uh, mm -hmm. Paramount and Nickelodeon. It was for the Total Ninja mobile game that we we did for them for the launch of the Total Ninja movie mm -hmm. uh, in summer 2014, I think. Yeah. Mm. I. Must confess, I never played that, and indeed, I oh, never no. heard of Turtles <laughs> Ninja. That's kind of out of my age range. <laughs> but uh, I, I suppose it worked well enough. Well, uh, anyway, so uh, now we move to your most recent project, and uh, yeah, this is a lot different than uh, anything else you've done. Uh, Fury. Or is it furry? Or uh, how, how do you pronounce this? We say furry, yeah, or fury, whatever you would like to say. Yes. Eventually, someone will understand where the name comes from. We're not going to say anything because it's part of the of the things that we don't want to say about the game. And uh, eventually, we show somebody will figure it out. <laughs> huh. well, that's surprisingly tantalizing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, for the uninitiated, uh, what is this game? Because it's uh, it's pretty uh, it's pretty unique. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's a game all about boss fights, right? So it's one on one boss fights against mm -hmm. you know um, opponents that are the same size as you, uh, which uh, which makes it a very focused game. So we're just trying to rebuild you know the tension of those duels. Um, Duels to the death against one adversary in the pit, mm. and that's what the game is about. You're uh, you're playing a character that's been uh, tortured and um, jailed and imprisoned, and and suddenly one day uh, another person with the rabbit uh, mask, wearing a rabbit mask, is coming to help you escape. And uh, you realize to escape, you have to defeat uh, all the guardians of your uh, prison. And there are several worlds and several guardians there to stop you from escaping. Indeed. That's, yeah. Right. Yeah, it's like, uh, game reminds me of, well, a lot of games. Uh, probably most obvious is um, platinum games like Bayonetta or uh, Capcom games like Devil May Cry. Right? Uh, mixed in with a bit of bullet hell there and here and there. Uh, you know, I've I put a, f a few hours into the game so far. Uh, haven't played it as much as I want to, but it, you know, it, <laughs> I, I really have a difficult time 
completely transcribing this game just because it's so out there and yet uh, so unique. Like, I, I suppose as a visual reference, the closest thing I can think of is, um, of all things, Killer7. Have you ever played that game? Yeah, it was one of the... I mean, it was known to the development team, that game, yeah. But uh, in terms of the visual style, I think we have to uh, acknowledge the, the input from uh, Takashi Okazaki, who's the creator of Afro Samurai, right, the manga. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is why you have this uh, amazing character design for all the guardians and, all, and the hero, too. So yeah. this is this striking uh, Japanese... Uh, uh, character design. And then the rest is really the work of our art director um, mm. and uh, a mix of influences, but uh, wanted to create this eerie uh, word um, out there, as you say, uh, yeah. very simple and a little bit uh, strange <laughs> yeah. and well, very colorful. Yeah, yeah uh, the, uh, the color palette is very striking. Uh, it's definitely one of the most Visually, um, I'm trying to think of the right word, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, like, visually appealing, like, I know there's, like, a word for how the colors pop and stuff, but I, I can't think of it right now, but, uh, yeah. aside from that, it's also got a very 1980s aesthetic, because um, the soundtrack is filled with synth pop. And, uh, yeah, yeah, electro yeah. music and uh, some things. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Even though all those guys are like, uh, they are not all as inspired by the '80s as, let's say, Captain Brute. Right. Uh, some of them are a little bit more uh, in their own style and contemporary, like I don't know, Danger or Lorne. Or, but it's true, there is definitely a retro feel to that game. Um, yeah in terms of the art, in terms of the music, and even in terms of the references that we... You, you mentioned of the old uh, platinum games and Japanese games. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking on the soundtrack further, um, how did you get into contact with um, you know, the likes of the Toxic Avenger, Wave, uh, Wave Shaper, Car uh, Carpenter Brute, and so on and so forth? Yeah. Well, we, we always wanted electro music for that game because we thought it was... Uh, the right music to at the same time you know get you like pumped uh, I'm sure you all play video games and some of you might also uh, do competitive sports uh, either mm -hmm. boxing or something else but uh, this is what uh, some of us play boxing in, in the team and this is the kind of music we listen to to get you know pumped up before the hatch and also to get the fear away when you're a little bit tense before um, a match so that was a great uh, great music for that and it was also the great music for uh, uh, to sustain the intensity of the fight itself because yeah? it's uh, you you've played a few hours so you know it can get pretty intense <laughs> oh yeah yeah yeah. So, yeah yeah i had to actually drop down the difficulty because uh because of the intensity. Also, because I, you know, I kind of have to get through this game in a week. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Well, I, so in any case, we wanted electro music. We had our references, and mm -hmm. we all, both Emric and I, loved Captain Brute, and uh, we contacted him, and he was the first uh, musician on board, and he did an amazing job for the first trailer, and then for the first Guardians of the game, and set the tone for the rest of the game, and then. 
we just contacted the people we were dreaming to work with, and uh, they, most of them said yes. So this is why we have such a great, uh, great uh, uh, soundtrack with seven uh, artists from uh, France and the US and uh, Sweden uh, collaborating on, on the soundtrack. Mm. And I believe you released a limited edition physical release of this on vinyl. Yeah, we have a beautiful vinyl uh, designed by uh, Takashi Okazaki, a double vinyl. Um, and of course, the soundtrack is also available uh, on the digital stores. And right. Yeah. Um, and we did a concert in Paris that was awesome too, but only with four of the musicians, but that was pretty awesome to have the Fury music played live, and that was really nice. Oh, I bet, I bet. Uh, and uh, so why did you release this on vinyl? Well, it was like we had this amazing soundtrack with original compositions for the game, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we, on, we were only on digital. Fury was only a, a digital project, and uh, we had nothing really and all the musicians were excited about LPs and things, so we thought, okay, let's do one collector uh, object, and that, uh, the, that's where the, the vinyl edition is coming from. We want to have something beautiful that, uh, that embodies the game that people will keep, and, that, uh, and I think if, you, if you've seen the cover of the soundtrack, it's like silver leaf print, you know, yeah, glossy yeah. white and inside it's all dark and like a like a reverse oyster or something like that and then you have the flashy neon pink disc and the flashy blue disc and so yeah we thought that was a beautiful object and uh i um is the limited edition still available or is that kind of uh sold out it's selling out fast it's uh out fast we have a sort of few and we had a thousand uh, prints, and mm -hmm. I think we have uh, something like 300 left. So, yeah. And um, where can you purchase uh, the limited edition soundtrack? Well, we we have a shop with all the Fury items. It's uh, fury.hitpoints.tv. Okay. Uh, so you can find everything there. Or or if you go to furrygame.com, you also have a link to buy uh, all of that. We have T-shirts and posters too, of course. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, anyway, getting back to the design of the game, uh, why bosses? Um, you know, uh, why not have you know like stages and minions and all that stuff? Why just boss fights? But first, that that was the, uh, an idea that that stayed with Emmerich for a very long time to make the game only of boss fights. And that's one of the reasons. But the other reason is we are an indie team, right? Mm -hmm. We are in Ferry. We were maximum 20 people, but most of the time we were around 10 for for two years, 10, 15. So we we knew very well that uh, we could not do everything right. And this was really the philosophy of Fury was to only do a few things, but to do them to the best we could. And so we we decided to just focus on boss fights, and um, that's been heavily influencing the whole uh, design of the game and everything we've done. Just boss fights against one-on-one -on -one adversaries, and we're going to give you the best of what's possible in that area. Mm. Uh, it reminds me of uh, old treasure games. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you have... 
played like Alien Soldier or um, Gunstar Heroes, or you know, they really, really love boss fights. Uh, and absolutely, yeah. And that's what this reminds me of, which is, which is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so, how did you develop the combat system for this game? So, well, as uh, as for every game we make, we start with the controls. Uh, so, basically, Emric got a controller, a PS4 controller in his hands, and then he started to see how, okay, what, what do I want to do? Which button do I want to press? How fast do I want my character to move? And and then everything. And then we started prototyping that with uh, you know in Unity and um, getting the right feeling and the right speed and the right camera and and, and little by little we just uh, designed you know all the bosses uh, different capacities and we had a, we designed a whole combat editor also to make sure that we could provide that variety that you have uh, with a very uh, apparently simple system, right? You only have four actions. You can shoot, you can slash, you can parry, and you can dodge, and you can charge some of those, and that's it, right? And nothing's going to evolve. You're not going to get a new gun. You're not going to get a new sword or a new capacity or nothing. So with that apparently simple design, we really wanted to be sure that all the bosses were going to provide enough uh, variations and differences and keep you challenged uh, all along the, the game. So um, this is why we designed the combat editor and spent a lot of time uh, designing and tweaking the bosses. And uh, we actually have a, a full-time combat designer on board with just doing that. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, and was it difficult coming up with opponents for um, a samurai guy to fight? No, I, I, I think, uh, well, you tell me when you finish the game, but I think we we strike a good balance uh, of uh, variety with our bosses. Um, they all have very specific ways of challenging you, and they're kind of fresh, and at the same time, uh, they give you that feeling that you've progressed, uh, and you've learned more, and you're mastering more some of those those very simple four controls that you have to master to go through the game. Hmm. Makes sense. Makes sense. Uh, anyway, so you mentioned that this game is built in Unity. Um, was there any particular reason why you picked that uh, middleware solution? We we had done uh, previously Combo Crew and uh, the Totten Ninja game with Unity, so we already had some solid experience doing uh, fighting games on this platform, and we also liked the. Uh, the cross-platform capacity of Unity, mm-hmm. the fact that you can have the PC version and the PS4 version. So this is why we, we chose it, you know. Already we were moving from mobile to console, uh, even though in our previous lives in Ubisoft we were already console and AAA developers. We were like, uh, you know, going back to that uh, that word that we had left for a, for a few, for five years. Uh, so. Uh, we thought, okay, we're not going to add too many challenges, so we're going to stay with an engine we know. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, how does Unity compare working for you know PC and consoles versus mobile? Is it uh, pretty much the same, or are there actually like substantial differences? Well, I I am not a developer, so I I mean I'm not a coder, so I can't tell you exactly how it compares. But from what from my understanding, it was as simple and quite um, efficient for us. 
you could really get that prototype up really quickly, and then from there the development was rather smooth. Well, that's good to hear. We have a lot of devs who work in Unity on this show, and you know the ranges are quite astounding, actually. Like, um, uh, did you have any problems with optimization? Well, uh, because we have a game that needs to run at 60 frames per second, it was always uh, something we were very yeah, focused on uh, optimization. But I don't think we had problems with Unity per se. It was more problems with our artists <laughs> and, the, <laughs> and the visual effects and uh, all of those. And that um, at the same time, you know. <laughs> That's good to hear because, you know, not every dev is really good at uh, optimization, not to name names, but we've come across some, uh, quite frankly, dreadfully optimized Unity games. So, And yeah, it's like this is a game where frame rate is absolutely important. Because, absolutely. Um, because uh, if I had to put this in a genre, it would be under Spectacle Fighter, what they call the, the Devil May Cries and Dante's Infernos of the world. Now, and you really need to have uh, the frame rate working to make sure everything's uh, going right. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, you mentioned that you were having the big trouble with the um, frame rate was like on the artist side. No, it's, I'm saying that to make a joke, but for sure, ah, for us, okay. since we have only uh, one uh, character against another. Mm -hmm. um, the, the, the biggest area where we could uh, save performance was on the number of VFX we uh, display at the same time, visual effects. Uh, so uh, this is why we had to simplify some of our visual effects uh, to optimize. Because that, as you've noticed, we also quite have a lot. <laughs> and uh, we have also a, a very high um, expectation that the, every visual effect should be easy to understand and recognize for the players so they know what's coming and when to react. All right. uh, okay. Yeah. All right. So now we have some uh, listener submission, uh, submitted questions. Uh, Crab Milk Mickey asked if, um, are you going to improve PS4 performance beyond the, the screen tearing? Some boss fight phases, especially on Furrier difficulty, uh, noticeably stray from 60 FPS and suffer and the game suffers from one to two second long freezes. So we, we have a patch coming, and it's right now in, in uh, FQA with Sony, so it will release later this week for, for PlayStation 4, and it's fixing uh, the tearing problem, some mm -hmm. of the overheating problem, and the R2 sensibility. The, the one to two second freezes that is being mentioned here, we're not aware of them, so it would be awesome if that person could um, send us an email because we haven't had any report of uh, very low performance in on PS4, okay. apart from the tiering issues. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Are they going to patch inferior difficulty for speedrun mode? Um, we are not making any patch in we are not aware of problems with performance in the ferial mode. So if you have a problem in performance with the ferial mode, you should send us an email. Okay. Um how feasible would it be to include new features in practice mode, like manually selecting a given boss phase? 
we are this is this is something uh, we have heard a little bit about the past and I want to remind everybody that they can just press X to to have the you know auto drive on the path auto walk on the path and for now, we're not skipping uh, the path, but if you're in a speedrun mode, then it's a different story, right? Okay. And uh, Zevern asks, uh, are you looking into custom controls? Uh, yes, we are looking into uh, the capacity uh, to uh, change your controls on PC. And on PS4, you can already uh, reassign some of your uh, uh, mapping. And they specifically ask if the boost will be able to be mapped in uh, like its due course. So yeah, as I said, we're looking into remapping options for PC and on PS4. You can already assign some controls differently. All right. Um, uh, we got a question asking about um, the burst final phase. Uh, I think I know what that's in reference to. Like. Uh, the I don't want to say in case it's uh, well spoilers and all that stuff. <laughs> like now the uh, burst, uh, the burst shouldn't be a spoiler. The burst we we have uh, a video of our whole fight in ten minutes by our combat designer that's available on YouTube. So the burst has no spoiler, I think. Okay, uh, so it's not the sniper lady or. Like, uh, yeah, I guess, that's the sniper lady. Okay, yeah. okay, yeah. Because uh, I, I saw all the names, but I wasn't sure which name went to which boss. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Oh. yeah. Uh, so she's hard to pass. <laughs> yes, yeah. she is. And, but there's a video from uh, Benjamin who's playing her in 10 minutes, spinning her in 10 minutes, and it's available on our YouTube. Maybe that can help. Right. And we are also going to release some uh, tips. Uh, and also some things about the secrets of the game a little bit later uh, this summer. Mm -hmm. I'm like, uh, right. So are you are you looking into doing any sort of DLC for the game, or is it uh, pretty much content complete at this point? Oh, uh, it's pretty much content complete. Um, I, yeah, it's, I think it's a series of. Uh, once uh, experience, once and uh, not once in a lifetime. I don't know how to say that, but you play it. Uh, it's uh, just the whole experience is there. Um, we're not planning on adding uh, so much uh, extra content. We're thinking about it, but for now we're not planning on it. Okay. Um, right. So just a couple more questions. As we're getting low on time. Um, you mentioned secrets earlier and um, obviously you want those to stay secret, but can you like provide any hints at this juncture um, in regards to said secrets? Well, uh, <laughs> difficult question, really. I don't think I can, actually. Um, no, I don't think I can. I think some players have already found a lot of uh, the lore of the game and uh, uh, especially on the Steam forums, we've seen really, really good accounts of the story and everything that happened, and this is really uh, fun to read. Mm -hmm. But there are a few things here and there that maybe not everybody uh, has figured out yet, but I really don't want to say anything. <laughs> okay, that's fair enough, given everything. Now it's like... <laughs> um, 
the game is currently available for the PC and the PlayStation 4. Uh, any plans to release it on the Xbox One? No, for now, uh, we're focusing on those two platforms. Okay. And um, how much, more, finally, how much more, like, bug fixing and, um, you know, uh, post-release polishing uh, do you plan to do on Fury? Well, we have already pushed uh, that patch uh, mm -hmm. that is on PC. It's already live, and on PlayStation, it's coming this week. And uh, as far as we know, uh, that addresses the most important bugs. So uh, we're not planning on doing another patch, uh, except if somebody, I mean, hundreds of people are going to tell us there's a problem that we didn't know about. But uh, for us, it's pretty much done there. Hmm. All right. Um, uh, yeah, so that's about uh, all I got. Uh, does anyone else have any final questions uh, for our guests? Um, no, actually not. Mm hmm I think we covered it pretty well. All right, good, good. All right, uh, Audrey, um, thank you very, very much for taking time out of your schedule to be on our show today. Um, thank you. Uh, I've been enjoying what I've played so far of Fury, and I'm looking forward to playing more of it uh, throughout the week. And we're we are reviewing the game on Sunday. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, so uh, the game is Fury. It's available on Steam and uh, the PlayStation 4. I believe it was part of the the PlayStation Plus uh, promo thing, like last month or something. Yeah, it's free in July uh, on PlayStation yeah. Plus. Yeah. yeah, there we go. And so pick it up on your platform of choice. Uh, so that'll about do it for this installment, Silicon. Um, be sure to join us tomorrow. Uh, once again, Petty Fan, why don't you give us the lowdown on what's happening uh, on Wednesday? All right. Tomorrow we are interviewing Tom Peterson of NVIDIA. He's the technical marketing director. And we're going to be talking about the um, newly released 10 series of graphics cards. So this is going to be interesting, at least for us, because it's something we haven't done before. Right. Um, this is our. This is actually the first hardware manufacturer we're, we're, we're going to have on the show, and mm -hmm. you know, obviously, it's a big name. Hell, mm -hmm. I'll be honest. This is one of the biggest names we've ever had. I mean, yeah. It's it's right up there with uh, Bandai Namco and Square Enix. Like literally, just for the benchmarks of the new 1060 that the NDA just lifted today, people were going insane trying to get. Mm. Like, it, it's fucking nuts. Yeah, and you'll be handling that, uh, the particulars of that interview, because I gotta admit, I, uh, I'm not up to date on what the latest graphic cards are doing. Yeah, th this is totally my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. And um, before we depart, um, this is Ogre's last show before his sabbatical. Uh, so is there anything you want to say to the audience before you um, can't speak for a good two months? Eh. How poignant. <laughs> nah, I'm just kidding. Uh, it's going to be weird, because mm -hmm. I kind of like being on the shows. It keeps me on the schedule. 
so yeah. that's going to be kind of rough for a bit, but yeah, I, I think I'll be fine. I know everything will be fine, so oh, I'll yeah. be back as soon as I can. Yeah. There will be a vacation in between everything, so yeah. at least I'll get some outside time while I'm at it. That's good. And we definitely wish you a speedy recovery. Oh, I wish for a speedy recovery, too. <laughs> I'm like, all right, and... Uh, I mean, yeah. worst case, you can always hang out in the chat. Yeah, or we could have you around and, uh, on the Skype. Uh, so, but yeah, we, we, you know, this isn't a permanent thing for those who might be worrying that Ogre's leaving the show like Naka did. No, no. It, you know, Ogre has some medical, uh, you know, has some dental stuff to take care of, and, you know, he needs his recovery time. He will, he will return. And in the meantime, um, we're going to probably have Twilight Winter fill in his role. Um, uh, that'll probably start happening about next week. Uh, details haven't been ironed out yet, so I might be a bit touch and go there. Anyway, until tomorrow, uh, I wish you good game. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky. Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.